0: Amen. We honor him, we glorify him, and we exalt him together today.
1: Amen. what a way to start our worship service this morning. God is worthy of all of our praise, and I am so glad that we are able to come and worship Him freely this morning in this beautiful place with you, our church family. If you're a guest, we ask that you would fill out the connection card that's located in your worship guide. And at the end of the service, you'll have an opportunity to meet our pastor, Stuart Holloway, out in the foyer area, and he will give you a copy of his book, The Privilege of Worship. I don't know about you, but you may be here this morning with things that are heavy on your heart and you just need to lay them at the feet of Jesus this morning. So join me as we pray. Father, I thank you for being a God that is worthy of all of our praise, God. Lord, I thank you for this church home. I thank you for the people that are the body of Christ and that have especially been that to my family this week, God. I thank you for them being the hands and feet of Jesus. Lord, I pray that as we leave here today, Father, we would leave here renewed, recharged, refreshed, Remembering while we celebrate this week, our thankfulness. Lord, may we be most thankful for Jesus who died on the cross for our sins, Lord God. Lord, may you inhabit the praises we sing to you this morning, Father. Speak through Stuart as he brings the message that you would have for us this morning, God. Lord, we do thank you. We love you and we praise you. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen.
0: How great, how great, how great is your love for us. Hannah Peppers wanted us to sing this song together today. It's a, she just acknowledges her joy of the Lord and, and, and coming to know him as personal Lord and Savior. And so learn this with us today, worship with it, and then we'll sing that great hymn of our faith. Holy, 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 how great is your love. From the darkness I called your name, into darkness your mercy came. of bread.
2: love so true there was never been there will never be a god like you a love so
0: holy
3: Please join me as we pray. Dear God, you are indeed holy, the most holy, our Father, and in you we find confidence in your everlasting love, and we find peace and joy in the love and comfort that you bring. Even in the difficult times, we know that you are there and your love is everlasting. And we find assurance in your name and through your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. At this time of thanksgiving, We each have so much to be thankful for. May each one of us take a little bit of time this week to thank you and praise you for all the many blessings that you have bestowed upon us and to our families. Please bless these gifts that you are about to receive, that they may be used to help those in need, to support the many ministries of our church, and to help spread the precious name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, around the world. It is in his name I pray, amen.
4: Please turn with me in your copy of God's Word to Psalm 117. Psalm 117. You don't have to say a lot to say a lot. There are many statements in our language that are packed with meaning in just a few words. Statements like, I love you, or, I do, or stop, or hurry up, or I'm sorry, thank you. You don't have to say a lot to say a lot. Psalm 117 says, Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol him, all you peoples. For great is his love toward us, And the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Psalm 117 is both the shortest psalm and the shortest chapter in the Bible. But as commentator Derek Kidner says, this tiny psalm is great in faith and its reach is enormous. In fact, this tiny psalm reaches out and around the world and then reaches then up to God in praise and thanksgiving. Psalm 117 is a small and mighty thanksgiving. Just 17 words in Hebrew, 29 words in English. But you don't have to say a lot to say a lot, and this psalm says a lot in a little. In fact, when he was unpacking everything in his commentary on Psalm 117, Martin Luther wrote 36 pages on this little short psalm. That's 18 pages per verse. But never fear if you're worried I might spend 18 minutes per verse in this message because you don't have to say a lot to say a lot. Psalm 117 is part of a sextet of songs, six psalms together, Psalm 113 to 118. They're known as the Egyptian Hallel because they celebrate what God did in the exodus from Egypt. A Hallel is a psalm that is recited as an act of praise or thanksgiving. And this particular psalm, beginning with verse uh, 113 to 118, celebrates God's work in the Exodus. The Jews actually sang these songs as they gathered to celebrate the Passover. They would sing Psalm 113 and 114 before the Passover, and then at, they would recite Psalm 115 to 118 after they had the Passover meal. Jesus and his disciples would have sung these psalms at the Last Supper. In fact, both Matthew and Mark tell us that when they had finished the meal, they sang a song. You remember that statement in Scripture? Well, this is one of the songs that they would have sung before they went out to the Mount of Olives. The psalm follows a a classic command and reason pattern. We're told what to do in verse 1, and we're told why we should do it In verse 2, the command is, everyone should praise the Lord. The psalm burst forth in verse 1. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol him, all you peoples. The word used for praise is the Hebrew word, Hallel. It means to celebrate God's praises with a high voice. It's the same word from which we get, Hallelujah, which is actually the praise the Lord at the end of Psalm 117. Halel is a, a praise that is to praise with a high voice. So, sopranos, you might want to help us out in that. It's to let out a great praise. In fact, it can also mean to act madly, which no Baptist is going to do. The second word that is translated extol is the Hebrew word shabah which is very similar. It means to laud and to give that praise. And so this is ecstatic rejoicing that comes with praise. Praise is big. It is celebrative. It is festive. It is full of fervor. That's the difference in praise and worship. Praise celebrates, whereas worship venerates. Praise is the trumpets celebrating the king's arrival. Worship is bowing before the king as he passes by. There's a time for both worship and praise, but in this psalm, it's a time to praise. But notice that this psalm doesn't say, praise him, Israel, or praise him, all you people of God. It says, praise him, all ye Peoples, extol him, all ye nations. The psalm burst beyond race. It burst beyond nationality. And from the beginning of time, that has been God's heart. That all people would praise him. John Piper is famous for saying, worship, our missions exist because worship does not. Everyone isn't worshiping yet, so we still share the gospel through worship. Missions From the beginning of time, it has been God's desire. From the time when he chose Israel as his treasured possession, as his holy nation, he also called them to be a kingdom of priests who would represent him to a watching world and bring that world into his people. You know that today there are 17,013 different people groups in the world. 17,000 different people groups. And God's vision is still for all of those people to know him as Savior and join in magnifying him for his love and his faithfulness. 500 or so years before this psalm was written, Moses called for such praise. In Deuteronomy 32, 43, he said, Rejoice, O nations, with his people. 1,500 years then after this psalm was written, John saw a time still to come when this vision would be realized in Revelation 7 verse 9 when he said, I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. As early as the Old Testament the vision started to be realized. Even as the Hebrews were being led out of Egypt, to at the beginning of the Exodus, we read that many others went up with them. And we go, well, who was that? It had to be some of the other Egyptians who saw the miraculous power of God on behalf of the Israelites, and they wanted to be a part of that as well. But it's in the New Testament. After God fills the church with his Holy Spirit, that we really get to see the gospel bursting forth to the nations. In fact, it begins on the day of Pentecost. You realize that the Pentecost in Acts 2 was a reversal of what happened in Genesis 11 at the Tower of Babel? Remember the story of the Tower of Babel? The people had had moved westward. They had stopped instead of filling the earth, as God had said. And they decided to make a city and with a tower reaching up to the heavens. And so they did all this and God said, this isn't good. They are not fulfilling what I've told them to do. And so God came down and he confused their languages. And that is the birth of the nations and languages of the world right there in Genesis 11. But in that time, it created confusion which caused the people to separate. In Acts 2, though, God gives the apostles the ability on the day of Pentecost to speak intelligible languages of the people who were there in Jerusalem celebrating the Feast of Pentecost. So on that very day, The Holy Spirit comes, the apostles are empowered to speak these languages they've never spoken before, to speak in tongues of people who have gathered in that city on that day, and on that day, the gospel is preached to the nations of the world. And you know the result, 3,000 people from all tribes, nations, and peoples come to know the power of God on the first day of the church. And it's just kept on expanding to them. Martin Luther said, in some of those many, many words on these few verses, he said, as I see it, the whole book of Acts was written because of this psalm. We join with all of the people who have gone before us. And we cry out now to a lost and dying world. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol him. All you peoples. Because unfortunately, still today, 7,076 of the 17,013 people groups in the world remain unreached. Some of those people groups are as small as a village that speaks some unique language. And some of those people groups are as large as nations. Nations. In a couple of weeks, we will have our emphasis on the Lottie Moon Christmas offering for international missions. And the reason we give to Lottie Moon is so that we can make sure missionaries go to reach these 7,076 unreached people groups. It's our responsibility to tell them just as someone told us. We join with everyone else, all Southern Baptists and other believers saying, praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol him all you peoples. But why is that? Well, the Psalm answers by giving us two reasons in verse two. And the first reason is everyone should praise the Lord because of his love for us. The Psalmist says, for great is his love toward us. Sometimes in getting my mind wrapped around a verse, I'll start brainstorming that verse. And earlier this week, I I wrote the word love at the center of a piece of paper and that was to represent God's love. And I just started writing down things that came to mind. And, and it was a rather busy brainstorm. I wrote things like care and protection, healing, saving, lifting up, reaching down, forgiveness, forgetting sin, remembering us, provision, guidance, and then I found myself thinking about the names of God. And so I got a, a book on the names of God off my shelf and I started looking at those. And I, I looked at, at and, and rejoiced in all the ways God loves us for who he is. El Roi, the God who sees me. Yahweh Yireh, the Lord provides. Yahweh Rophe, the Lord heals. Yahweh Nisi, the Lord is my banner. Yahweh Mekadesh, the Lord who sanctifies Yahweh Shalom the Lord is peace. Yahweh Sidkenu the Lord is our righteousness. The Lord Rohi the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord Shama the Lord is there. And as I reflected upon God's love in those moments I was struck again by how great his love is. It's part of who He is. His love is greater than any love we can imagine. I'm convinced it is a thousand, even a hundred thousand times greater than any love we could give to or receive from another human being. And if you think about how much you love your spouse or your parents or your wife or your children, multiply that by a hundred thousand times, and I don't even think that touches the love of God. The Hebrew word most often used for the love of God is hesed, And that word means many things. Mercy and kindness and steadfastness and long-suffering and mercy and, and all kind of things. And, and scholars debate on to really how to even to translate it. Because like the nature of God takes many names to describe who he is. So this one word for love takes many, many English words to try to get at what it's really about And that's because like his character, God's love is great. And it's because of that great love that we should praise him. Reflect this morning on how God has loved you in this past year. Look at those names of God. How has he been one or more or all of those things to you in this past year? And praise him. Uh, for his love for you. Your gratitude for God's love should impact every day of your life. It's gratitude that prompted an elderly man to visit an old and broken pier on the eastern seacoast of Florida. Every Friday night until his death, he would return, walking slowly and slightly stooped with a large bucket of shrimp, The seagulls would flock to this old man and he would feed them from his bucket. Many years before, in 1942, Captain Eddie Rickenbacker was on a mission in a B-17. He had been a famed World War I pilot and was serving his country once again in World War II. But there was an unexpected detour which would hurl Captain Eddie into the most harrowing adventure of his life. Somewhere over the South Pacific, the flying fortress became lost beyond the reach of radio. Fuel ran dangerously low, and so the men ditched their plane in the ocean. For nearly a month, Captain Eddie and his companions fought the water, the weather, and the scorching sun. They spent many sleepless nights recoiling as giant sharks rammed their rafts. The largest raft was nine by five, the largest shark. Was 10 feet long. But of all of their enemies at sea, the one that proved the most formidable was starvation. Eight days out, their rations were long gone or destroyed by the salt water. It would take a miracle to sustain them, and then a miracle occurred. In Captain Eddie's own words, Cherry, that was the B 17 pilot, read the service that afternoon. And we finished with a prayer for deliverance and a hymn of praise. There was some talk, but it tapered, tapered off in the oppressive heat, and with my hat pulled down over my eyes to keep out some of the glare, I dozed off. I was awakened when something landed on my head. I knew it was a seagull. I don't know how I knew, I just knew. Everyone else knew, too, and no one said a word, but peering out from under my hat brim, without moving my head, I could see the expression on their faces. They were staring at the gull. The gull meant food, if I could catch it. And the rest, as they say, is history. Captain Eddie caught the gull. Its flesh was eaten, its intestines were used to bait and catch the fish, and... The men survived. They were sustained, their hopes renewed, because a lone seagull, uncharacteristically hundreds of miles away from land, offered itself as a sacrifice. And you know that Captain Eddie made it. And so you also know that he never forgot. And that's why every Friday evening about sunset... On a lonely stretch along the eastern Florida seacoast, you could see this old man walking out on that pier with his bucket of shrimp, white-haired, bushy eyebrows slightly bent, and the gulls would come to be fed, to remember that one which, on a day long past, gave itself for others. 2,000 years ago, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And Jesus offered himself without a struggle. And our in our shrimp are to worship the Lord every day as we go to his word, Every. Sunday, as we gather together, our shrimp are to offer our resources that others may know what the Lord has done. And we do it all because we know that without his great love, we too would be dead in sin. A medieval monk once announced to his people that he would be preaching the next Sunday evening on the love of God. And so the congregation gathered in the church there and As the shadows fell and the lights ceased to come in through the cathedral windows, the congregation sat silent. And in the darkness, the monk lit a candle. And he went over to the crucifix that is in most Catholic churches. And he held the candle up to the crown of thorns. And then he lowered it to each of his nail-pierced hands. He illuminated the pierced side and he illuminated the nail in Christ's feet. In a hush, he blew out the candle and walked away because there was nothing else to say. You don't have to say a lot to say a lot. How great, how great, how great is his love. How great is his love for us. That's the first reason that we praise him. The second is that everyone should praise the Lord because of his faithfulness to us. The psalmist says, Praise the Lord for his the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Has God been faithful to you this year? Is there a way that he's done that? Perhaps it was in protecting you against. The evil one, as we read in 2 Thessalonians 3, 3, where Paul writes, But the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. Or maybe it was protection from a temptation that came your way. As Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Or maybe it was after you gave into that sin that you came to God in repentance and you asked for forgiveness and you were reminded as we read in 1 John 1, 9 that God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Or maybe God has simply affirmed your faith this year causing you to cling to his word even more. As we read in Hebrews ten twenty three. let us hold unswervingly to the hope we possess, for he who promised is faithful. Or maybe you found yourself discouraged this year. But even in that dark time, you still found God. And you found him to be faithful, just as Jeremiah did in Lamentations 3, where he wrote, Because of the great, God's great love, we're not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And if you've walked with God long enough, I bet you've experienced what we read in 2 Timothy 2.13, and that is, if we are faithless, he is still faithful. God is faithful. How many of you know that? You've seen it, haven't you? Time and time again. It was the worst of times. In the first half of the 17th century, Germany was in the midst of wars and famine and pestilence. And in the city of Eilenburg lived a pastor by the name of Martin Rinkart. During one especially oppressive period, Rinkart conducted up to 50 funerals a day as a plague swept through the town and as the Thirty Years' War wreaked its own terror on the people. Among those from Rankart buried were members of his own family. Yet amazingly, during those days of darkness and grief and despair, when death and destruction greeted every new day, Pastor Reinkart wrote 66 spiritual songs and hymns. Among them was the song we know as, Now Thank We All Our God. As sorrow crouched around him, Reinkart penned, Now Thank We All Our God with hearts, with hands, with voices, who wondrous things hath done in whom his world rejoices, who from our mother's arms hath blessed us on our way with countless gifts of love and still is ours today. Reinhardt demonstrated a valuable lesson for us all that thankfulness does not have to wait for prosperity. Thankfulness does not have to wait for peace. Thankfulness does not have to wait for sunshine and daisies because it's always good to praise the Lord. Even in the rough times. Because in the good times, in the bad times, in the sad times, and in the glad times, he's been faithful. He's been faithful over and over and over again. So praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol him, all you peoples, for great is his love towards us, and his faithfulness endures forever. You don't have to say much to say much. Our youngest son, Evan, has taught me that more than anyone else. So far, at five years old, Evan doesn't say much, and most of what he says are just grunts or noises, and probably the most discernible Noise, though, is when Evan calls for our oldest son, Zachary, whom he adores. But even in calling Zach, Evan usually just says something like, Ah! But you don't have to say a lot to say a lot. Evan can be playing in his room, and we walk in, and his face lights up with a smile, and we know he's saying, Hey, I'm glad you came to play with me. We'll be holding Evan, and he'll reach back, and he'll grab our cheek, With his fingernails that need to be cut. (laughs) And we know he's saying, I love you. You don't have to say a lot to say a lot. Sometimes that's how it is when it comes to offering God thanks. Like shrimp to seagulls. Like the soft glow of a candle on a crucifix. Or a song of praise penned in the darkest of times. You don't have to say a lot to say a lot. Offer a small and mighty thanksgiving to God this year. For great is His love and His faithfulness endures forever. May we pray together. Our God, we come before you and we are a grateful people. If we could take time to share of your love and faithfulness over this last year, we would be here till next Thanksgiving. For even in the lives of those represented in this room, you have been immensely faithful. There have been times of great joy. There have been times of great sadness. There have been times of great addition and benefit. And there have been times of great loss. But, Lord, you have been loving and faithful. And so we offer you praise with joyful hearts. And we thank you for who you are. In this quiet moment of the invitation, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us. Lord, perhaps there's someone here today who has never done what Hannah has done, and that is giving their life to you as their Lord and Savior. And I pray that today would be the day of salvation when they say, I know that I need you to cover the sins of my life, and I need to follow you as my Lord. Lord, speak clearly to their hearts today. There may be others that need encouragement through prayer, and there may be others who just want to fall on our faces before God at its altar and say, Thank you, God. Thank you for all that you've done. We give you praise now, Lord. Help us to be obedient to your call on our lives. And this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.